some companies still know how business casual is done. It's strictly business. Good, good, good morning, everyone. It's Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, coming at you with another episode of Business Casual, Market Scale's B2B morning radio show. Hello, everyone. I hope you're having a great morning. And per usual, we're joined by our other co-hosts, Mr. Tyler Kern and Mr. Taylor Bagley. And folks, you know, we've been doing this show remotely now for uh, a couple of weeks. And we've realized it keeps getting longer and longer. <laughs> so who knows? We may have a, a longer show when we return to the office. But for now, I hope you're enjoying content. Uh, and make sure you're subscribing to the show on um, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find it under the Market Scale Radio channel. Um, and also make sure that you're checking out our snippet posts on our site, marketscale.com. If you add a dash industries, or excuse me, a slash industries at the end there, you'll get uh, all of our different verticals, and you'll clearly see our business casual posts on there. So make sure you're checking those out. Tyler, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, Daniel. How are you? I'm okay. Uh, you know, it's a busy day. A lot of recording to do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just trying to balance out all my, all my tasks for the day. It can be pretty hectic around here sometimes. It sure can be, you know, and uh, I think that with with the way that things have moved and as some businesses have started to reopen and things like that, things have been, uh, things are busy right now. Things are busy, but I'd say that's a, that's a good thing in the business world. Um, you know, as much as, as much as possible, you want businesses to be able to thrive and to, to stay open while keeping everybody safe. And so, you know, as, as much as we can be busy, I think uh, that's a good thing. Agreed. Agreed. And then, of course, we're joined by Taylor Bagley, host of his segment, Secure the Bag. Taylor, how you doing? Hey, Daniel. Uh, doing really well. Busy as well here on my end. Um, yeah, you guys are right. There's been a lot that have been picking up now. But, um, you know, I couldn't imagine at this point, you know, a few weeks ago we were kind of getting in the, the groove of business casual again. And now uh, I wouldn't know what to do without it here on my, my Wednesdays and Fridays. It's kind of my my uh, signposts of the week here. So Yeah. Um, Helps you feel like you're moving along. It's like the the check mark. Exactly. Checkpoint. You know how everyone's having Mario a hard Kart day. Style. Everyone's having a hard time like keeping up with what day it is because every day just kind of blends together and feels the mm -hmm. same. Right now, I, I think having these on Wednesday and Friday helps center me at least on, on to some extent, you know, and understand exactly what day it is. So uh, that's helpful for me, you know. Oh yeah, this is my my tether to reality here. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Can I bring you one piece of? Uh, of good thing that I saw on Twitter this week. Let's hear it. So I, I saw on the, the digital trends, Twitter account, uh, which is a good one to follow just to stay up to date with things going on in tech and that sort of thing. But, uh, some animal shelters have started doing, uh, pet adoptions over zoom. So you can meet a dog and adopt a dog over zoom, which does give me some concern. Cause I don't want bad people to be able to adopt pets that way, you know, and that sort of thing. But also, like if you can, if we can keep that moving and keep uh, good good puppers being adopted over Zoom, I think that's a great thing. So, uh, bravo world for uh, figuring out ways for people to still get pets and stay safe at the same time. 
I like that. Right? Yeah, you know, hey, as long as the pups and kitties are being taken care of, I guess uh, I'm I'm okay with some new mediums, with some disruption in the adoption scene. Exactly, exactly. Using... I- Using big tech for good, finally. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that's that's what big, we're doing here. That's what we're doing here. Big tech for pups. Hey, yeah. love those pups. Love those pups. Friends, let's get into our main stories for the day. Our first story has several points of discussion, and I'm really looking forward to hearing y'all's perspectives and uh, your ideas on the future of the workplace. So are y'all ready to jump in? Yes. Let's do this. Let's do it. Cool. All right. So... First thing we're going to be talking about is, uh, you know, there are some specific news stories associated with it, um, but it's a little bit of a broader conversation on the changing office landscape. So I'm sure everyone is thinking about it to some degree, but um, a lot of the workforce has had to transition to working from home, and this is now... uh, it could become a standard, basically, moving forward. And different companies are approaching that transition back to the office differently. And I wanted to highlight some different options and get y'all's thoughts on them. So um, some companies were able to transition most of their employees to work from home, and they're now eyeing remote work as that mainstay for basically the rest of forever, for lack of a better way to put it. Uh, Twitter is the most recent company to jump on this train. Uh, CEO Jack Dorsey announced this week that employees will be allowed to work from home forever, indefinitely, uh, until, uh, well, no, not until, uh, even after the pandemic clears. There is no timeline on it. Basically, hey, you know, we realize that this is effective for a good portion of our workforce, and y'all can just keep working from home. The end. Um, Employees that have to be on site so this is server maintenance or engineering professionals they're probably still going to need to come in but the majority of the knowledge workers at twitter are now going to be working from home indefinitely uh the head of human resources at twitter jennifer christie she said this to buzzfeed news quote people who were more reticent to work remotely will find that they really thrive that way managers who didn't uh, think they could manage teams that were remote will have a different perspective i don't think we won't go back christy said or she said i do think we won't go back sorry screwed up that quote there (laughs) but basically the gist of the quote is people adapted to this a lot of people are seeing value and we are going to keep it chugging along basically no change to this dynamic we can manage effectively we can continue to put out the twitter product effectively so we're not going to disrupt it And um, another layer to this is I think big tech companies in Silicon Valley and major metros in California could see the idea of an all remote workforce as appealing because it could open opportunities to hire a broader workforce outside of their limited area that is often impeded by skyrocketing rent and living expenses, which could put a uh, a damper on who you can hire uh, or people's desire to even want to take those positions. So that's another layer we can talk about. But uh, what are y'all's initial thoughts on Twitter's move to go work from home indefinitely? Yeah, I think you brought up some some really compelling points there uh, that that I think a lot of companies are, are wrestling with, and Twitter has kind of tackled head on just that idea of 
okay, if we can do this, if we can feasibly pull this off, then what's holding us back and what are some of the advantages, you know, making that that uh, stereotypical pros and cons list of, of sorts, right? So, you know, on the pro side, you're right, you laid out a, a lot of uh, those types of arguments like, um, you know, ha not, not having to worry about, okay, can this person move to this particular area of the country? Do they even want to move uh, if they are the most qualified candidate, but, you know, they don't want to live here where cost of living is going to be extravagant? You know, can we still bring somebody like that on and that sort of thing? Can you reduce costs for what you're paying for office space right now? And what does that look like? And does that help the, the company moving forward just in terms of saving that type of money? And so, for me, I, I think that there are advantages there that companies will begin to look at as they as they start to consider this. Um, however, we've we've done a lot of podcasts recently, or at least uh, a, a lot of the clients that I've talked to have been in the tech space, um, just working on you know improving and. Uh, scaling uh, cloud infrastructure to make sure that this is possible for all the companies that want to do it. And then also uh, data security companies, making sure that uh, you know, uh, employees working from home are going to be accessing those networks from remote locations. You know, what does that look like? Does that open up uh, windows for nefarious actors to to come in and hack into networks and steal company data and that sort of thing? And so a lot needs to be done infrastructure wise, which is uh, an extremely B2B topic when it comes to cloud infrastructure and also cloud security, just to make sure that uh, as I believe this, this trend will continue to expand beyond just Twitter, um, that the infrastructure for that is prepared. Taylor, yeah. what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. I don't want to echo you too much on there, but I think one of the big things that you hit on was the ability to hire um, specific people for specific roles. Um, and what I think that that's, you know, not only going to just kind of translate from taking already existing roles and just moving them remotely, um, we're now going to, I think, start to see shifts in the way our companies operate, um, specifically uh, tasks, procedures, things that, um, you know, can, I think, really ideally be done um, online or, you know, from an at-home worker, uh, you know, might get kind of funneled and segmented to different parts of operations where um, companies now will just outsource, and I say outsource, but I mean hire that to a work-from-home type of employee, Um just completely, you know, down the road for, for all of their uh, uh, different, you know, avenues that they might open up some of these jobs. So I really think the way we start to structure our companies is going to change. I think the way that we hire for some of them are going to change. And I think realistically, that's going to translate to not only benefiting the, the companies that are doing this, but the workforce as a whole. Um, like you said, Tyler, you know, somebody can now take a job, uh, you know, on one coast in another coast. Um, they may even be able to have multiple jobs, you know, at one point if, uh, like I said, you know, a company is restructured and they know that, hey, we've got a job for somebody that only requires, you know, X amount of work from home hours a week and it just requires X amount of A, B, and C for them to accomplish, uh, you know, people may have multiple roles now, you know, they might work in multiple areas of a company or even multiple companies. So um, I really think that this is going to shift the way that, that we, like I said, structure companies, structure jobs, structure responsibilities um, that isn't going to just translate from, you know, what we were doing before and now we're just doing it from home. Um, so I, I think that's the big turn that, that I'm really excited to see how that, that looks, how that rolls out and how we respond. 
I've got to add, um, you know, a, a little salt to the <laughs> the situation just to diversify the opinion a little bit. Uh, but I, I mean, I agree with you all. I think there are um, exciting opportunities for workers that, you know, now might have the opportunity to enjoy working from home indefinitely. I think it is um, functionally more of a luxury to work from home. Uh, you're in the, you know, you're in the confines of your own space. Uh, you can kind of, um, you know, plan your day around work uh, with a little more attention when you want to step away for a quick break for food or to take a little walk outside. You know, you have a little more control over your day. However, I do think it's worth noting that if we indefinitely move to work from home uh, in major sectors, especially tech sectors where um, workloads and the dynamics of working at those companies can often be very high stress, very long hours, and an expectation of, you know, when the projects are due, you are working day in, day out, nonstop, you sleep at the office, that kind of thing. I think it could be a lot harder for there to be uh, improvements to work-life dynamics and to, um, I guess, just more generally workers' rights if there are broad uh, atomizations of the workplace. Uh, I think you can really see this in tech companies because I think that's where the spotlight is shining most. Um, and I think it's the perfect representation of uh, a position that you think would have all the luxuries in the world, but the dynamics of the workplace, depending on the tech company, obviously, uh, can be very um, demanding and oppressive in some ways. So uh, I just think that's another factor to keep in mind, that I don't think it's all good news if mm -hmm. all of Twitter goes work from home, um, because you know, there's less of an ability for those workers, I think, to come together to uh, better understand, uh, you know, what are the stresses being put on you? What are the stresses being put on me? How are they different? How are they the same? Mm -hmm. um, you know, how can we strategize to improve our workplace? Uh, it, it really fractures um, management and it fractures, I think, the ability for people to collaborate both creatively and just functionally uh for the betterment of you know their division or just their um entire sect of workers so yeah that mm -hmm. the, those are my thoughts on it well um, I, I do think that there is a, a disconnect between um you know we, we can't sit here and extol the virtues of having a great company culture and everything that that provides um, and, you know, having a great office atmosphere and that sort of thing without acknowledging that at least part of that will be affected and will be missing if you move to a primary, you know, primarily work from home type setup. Right. And so, you know, we, we can't sit here and have a, you know, have an interview with somebody or, or talk about just, hey, create a great company culture, do these things and make sure that your employees feel valued and that sort of thing without acknowledging that at least at, at the very minimum, there has to be a major adjustment to that if you switch to working from home. And at the most, you know, you lose a lot of that company culture and what goes with that, you know. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I do think that there is a lot to, to say about about the negative side effects of that as well. Right. Yeah. And people are uh, 
social beings. People manage differently and are managed differently when you don't see them face to face. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, I think, different dynamics to how you communicate. There can be more passive aggression. Um, there can be uh, more miscommunication. Um, and I think to a degree there can be more of an expectation of quick response as well. Uh, there's kind of an idea that you're always plugged in because you're at home. And I think um, I think those dynamics make it harder to have a healthier work-life balance. And that's what's really uh, itching at me about this is that if everyone starts to work from home, but the, like you said, Tyler, the culture of the workplace and not even just the soft aspects of the um, workplace culture but the more material like just how long you're expected to work or um how often you have meetings or how often you're checking in like there there are different aspects of uh work life that can change in ways that i think are negative and i'm, I'm gonna throw in another one there are some companies that are now adding in uh, new softwares for monitoring your productivity mm-hmm. that are so detailed and intense um, that it basically completely discourages you from ever not meeting the metric that you need to meet. And often the metrics are, you know, very intense. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wish I had more specific numbers for you, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I think... I think there could be a trade-off in that, okay, people are working from home now, but we're going to now justify that as a reason to push for other workplace changes that are under the guise of productivity, but really end up making the work day worse. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's just more stressful, um, more invasive, less, you know, personal privacy at work even though you are in the confines of your own space because of the kind of digital monitoring that can now come from working from home, sort of a, an overreach or, um, you know, the pendulum swings in one way. And so it's an overcorrection in the other direction now because everyone's working remotely. I am not saying all of these changes are, uh, insidious immediately in nature that every, everyone that launches a new monitoring app is doing so, uh, because, you know, they're big evil businessmen, but th- even if it is uh, a passive decision, it still affects the workday and still affects that work-life balance. And I could see life becoming um, just less enjoyable overall for a huge swath of the population that might see work from home as a luxury. Mm-hmm. I think they might actually come to find it as a detriment in some degree um, moving forward. So that's yeah. my thoughts on it. Yeah. A quick little note that I wanted to touch on there that I think you brought up was the privacy aspect of that. Where do you draw, you know, a line between what was now or what was then your place of, you know, living the, the your, you know, home and now your place of work, which, you know, might actually include company property, you know, something like, um, you know, the computer that you're working on or, you know, proprietary software even. And now you have muddled lines between what is, you know, your private property and your personal property, what is work property, how much 
um, you know, monitoring can your company have on you, you know, in your home with X, Y, and Z, um, you know, equipment that you're using. So, yeah, I, I think the questions of, you know, what, what are the privacy measures here? What are some of the limitations that you're going to have on, you know, keeping your home as a part of your home? Um, I think those are definitely all up in the air. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm interested to kind of see that aspect of it unfold as well. And I, I think that that plays a hand in what I was talking about earlier about just how we restructure companies in general. Um, I think while there will be now certainly work from home positions, you know, across the board and probably full time for most companies, um, I doubt that all positions in all roles are going to transition to that full time. The only other point I wanted to bring up on this one is there could also be some permanent changes to the workplace, even if folks do return. Um, So, you know, it isn't a guarantee that all offices are now going to transition to work from home. So for the ones that do return, uh, the dynamics of both going to work and being in the workplace could alter drastically. So I wanted to throw out a couple of examples of how that might happen. Uh, In China, for example, since lockdown restrictions have been let up in certain areas, um, offices in Beijing are now limiting to 50% capacity, basically indefinitely. And workers now have to sit at least a meter apart and face masks are required in the office. Um, So that's an example of how a major metropolitan area is adapting to this. I think here in the States, uh, companies are considering a lot of different workplace options, and I think you might see some of this even mandated by cities or states, things like staggered shifts and start times to avoid everyone commuting to work at the same time. I mean, imagine, uh, you know, commuting to work in New York, right? Those busy, busy streets. There's no way to maintain social distancing walking to work uh, or taking the metro. So if there was a staggering of schedules to some capacity, that might help. Um Alternating in-office workdays could basically be a logical conclusion of that last option. And then even digital sensors or physical markers to maintain proper social distancing in the office, that could become a thing. Um, But what I find most interesting is how this might affect some of the broader workplace trends that we were getting used to, like open workplaces, collaborative workplaces, and shared workplaces. All of those trends might uh, become less appealing. Uh, now that people want to keep their distance and uh, considering that the pandemic is not going to go away anytime soon and most optimistic estimates have a vaccine within a year. So we could continue to see spikes and flares of this for a while, which means I think we could see a shift in what the workplace looks like. Um, I think, uh, let's see, there was an example here. Oh yeah, so there's a Boston office uh, of a design firm called Bergmeier. They reinstalled dividers on like 85 of their different desks. And I know this is just kind of an offhand example, but it's it just shows how um, our just our literal workspace could shift. They're basically bringing the cubicle back for privacy, for barriers. And I think that's a trend we could see long term um, because we were getting so used to removing the walls, opening up the workplace, making it so that you could see the person right across from you and right next to you. And you can get up and go sit down at a bunch of shared areas, shared conference rooms, um, mini huddle rooms. I feel like all of those tight 
confined spaces aren't going to be appealing anymore and people aren't going to want to just cram themselves into a small shared workplace uh, if they can avoid it. So I think even if we don't see a giant work from home shift, I think the brick and mortar workplace is going to see some major changes as well. Those are just my predictions. I think you're right. I think you're right. What do you think replaces the uh, the standard businessman handshake? Do you think that that goes oh. away? Does it switch um, to a uh, does it switch I, I to mean, a fist look, bump? Does it switch to a uh, something where you don't come in contact with the other person at all? I mean, look, if there's a broad cultural shift, I could see us uh, looking to Japan maybe and bringing the bow into our uh, our colloquial workplace culture. I'm into that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think it's very. Um, uh, I don't know. There, there's a lot of reverence to it, and it's very respectful. Just a, the little bow, I think, could be good. Uh, however, uh, I don't know if there's enough of a, a, I don't know, cultural precedent for anything like that to ever stick. So, honestly, <laughs> I'd probably lean more foot tap. I feel like that would be uh, fun, <laughs> right? People just walking up and just kind of boom, boom, tapping their feet, and then everyone just starts break dancing in the office. I'm into Maybe that. the gravitas of a handshake will now increase. You know, yeah, they, they exactly. still exist, but now they they have. You a lot only more risk your to life them. to yeah. shake hands with people that matter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. see how they're binding. This was a snippet from Business Casual with Daniel Litwin and Tyler Kern, your B two B morning radio show. Tune in Wednesdays and Fridays at 9 a.m. Central on the Simple Radio app or marketscale.com slash industries.